Rolling Dice and Taking Names is sponsored by The Broken Token, creator of high-quality gaming accessories and storage solutions. Visit them online at thebrokentoken.com. Hey, Vanessa, growing up, did y'all watch Cheers? We didn't get that channel. What about Growing Pains? Same channel. We didn't get all of the major networks. Well, then I'll handle this intro of Rolling Dice and Taking Names as we review the networks, plus another segment of Flying Squirrels, and we talk about your hashtag RDT and Game Fails. So I guess that means you didn't get to watch Knight Rider either. No Knight Rider, Marty. You got some binge watching to do. Welcome to another episode of Rolling Dice and Taking Names. This is episode 101, Money for Nothing. This is Marty. I'm Tony. Tony, I honestly have no idea why we're recording this. I understand. Why are we going to try to continue after 100? It makes no sense. It does not. That has been such a well-received episode. Many saying it's our best episode ever. It's been our most well-received, most downloaded it can only go downhill from here. So I don't even know why you're attempting to do this because we, we can't match that. We can try. We can, we've set the bar. We can continue to try to go over the bar. We may decapitate ourselves or whatever, but by gosh, we will try to achieve the same excellence that we had on that show. But it's just the thing is that this episode, we've got no guests. We've got no hundred dollars that were given away. We got, we got nothing. We just got you and I and talking about games. Well, we are going to reveal the winner of the $50 contest for um, the Dice Tower Network, which we are proud members of. That's true. And hey, guess what? We're going to be doing a Flying Squirrels, which we haven't done in several episodes. So that'll be fun. A lot of games have gotten into the queue that we need to talk about during those squirrel segments. So what a better place to put them. Plus, we're actually going to review a game, the new hot game from Gilhova, The Networks. I am looking forward to it, which is the reason for the naming of the episode, Money for Nothing. By the Dire Straits, of course, which you and I constantly heard in 85 at our freshman year at NC State, where that was the big song. And it constantly was playing at the dorms. It was, oh, everybody was playing that. Okay, but what's that have to do with the networks? All right, so follow me. And I know this, okay, is, here we go. this is always hard to do. Okay. So the, the song, if I, you know, I was listening to it um, today and it was basically, you know, a song about how there's all this in networks and MTV and how these people are making all this money doing these videos and how you're having to have these stars. And I felt like, hey, that's sort of kind of TV related. Let's go with that. Okay. If that's the best you could do. Sure. That's what I came up with. I, other than that, I was going to go with <clears throat> Don Henley's Dirty Laundry with the, with the reporters and how that they smile with a gleam in their eye and all of that stuff. Yeah, which is basically mocking the news. Which is mocking the news. So I was like, okay, network TV, MTV was trying to mock, you know, they were making all that money during the 80s. And that's what I went for. It wasn't one of my best efforts. But then again, once again, after 100, nothing's going to be my best effort. Well, it could have been money for nothing is the fact that we are giving away the $50 gift card to CSI, money for nothing. These people didn't have to do nothing. They actually had to hashtag, hashtag RDTN game fail. Oh, they did. And actually, that's another thing that we're going to be doing is we're going to be looking at some of our favorites from that exercise and be talking about those and sharing those too. Thank you so much for all those. Those were all great. It was very hard to pick a winner. And we'll go into a, a more detail later in the show about that. But some of those just really touched home and some were too close. <laughs> yeah. Those are the ones like, yeah, I've been there. There was a lot of, uh, yeah, been there, done that. You know what? Let's just jump right into it. Let's knock the door off the flying squirrel cage and get started. And now it's time for Flying Squirrels. Short discussions on topics that have our attention for now. Now here's something we hope you'll really 
really like. If you're new to the Flying Squirrels, what we're going to do is we're gonna, each of us are going to cover a topic and we only have two minutes to talk about it. That way we can cram a lot of information to a very short amount of time. Tony, are you ready to go? Yeah, just one thing I want to point out, Marty, that since we are Southern and we speak a little bit slower, two minutes will seem like a normal person's fourth minutes or 10 minutes. Who knows? Well, wouldn't that be the opposite way? If we talk slow, that means it'd be like our two minutes is like somebody else's 30 seconds. Well, like we demonstrated in episode 100, math skills, we've lost them. Two engineers, we've lost them. They're gone. They're out of here. So yeah, I'm ready. Let's get this thing going. All right. All right, Marty. For my first topic, I recently demoed for Envoy the Game America by Bezier Games. That is the new trivia game that has three tracks. One years, one the um, United States, and one for numbers. Very simple to play. Now, what concerns me about this game, Marty, is the fact that there is not a lot of questions. There's 300 questions. Their next series is basically going to be a whole new board because it's going to be world history. So they're going to have to do a whole new map. What I need out there from our listeners and our guild members somebody can build me an app that will allow me to create more questions for america so i'm not constantly buying the board i'll come up with the questions it's a good good game i love this game i love the trivia part of it wits and wagers is one of our favorite family games but this game i really did enjoy playing for instance marty you've got a cube that you got placed on the board if I told you Microsoft's headquarters and you saw the map of the United States, where would you place that cube? Redmond, Washington. Look at you. So you would have scored seven points. Now, I knew it was Redmond, Washington, but you placed your cube first. I could place it next to you in Oregon, and I would only get three points. Or what is the uh, hard drive size of an Xbox One? Uh, the Xbox, well, it depends. They first came out at 500 gigabyte, but then I think there was two terabyte now. This was based in whenever it first came out. So you would need to go from there. You would put in 500 as the number, right? And you'd place a cube there. You have up to five cubes you can place all over the board. I would say that's crap. And I wouldn't place a cube there. I'd say, I think you were wrong. I would lose and not get any points. And your cubes disappear. I can't wait to play this game with you. But to my point, people, I need an app. All I got to do is load it with a topic and three questions or and three answers. That's what I need. A simple database. Can you build me that app? All right. So you're telling me that basically you don't want to give them any more money and you just want to take their uh, IP and do your own thing with it? No, I just think it'd be great that if people could supplement this thing, every, you know, think about it, there'd be more questions than people would definitely buy the game. I just think you're being cheap. I'm not being cheap. Our good friends, Michael Cole at Gambling Games and designer Scott Alms is getting ready to come out with a brand new expansion to Tiny Epic Galaxies called Beyond the Black. Now, this is going to be coming out on Kickstarter September 7th, so right after this episode drops. Tony, this is a really cool addition to the existing Tiny Epic Galaxies, which might actually be one of my favorite. They're adding in new ships, and they're adding in pilots and it's really cool that everybody has a dock with certain types of ships uh, that you can launch from each dock but you need pilots to to pilot those particular ships right above the planets where you typically have where you put and send your ships out to um, explore and everything and land on the surface or orbit or whatever there's going to be pilot cards right above and on your turn if you get matching dice that'll match the ship that you're trying to get you can use those dice to get the ship out of your supply uh, to put that ship into play, and then you pick up a corresponding pilot that will go with it, and the pilot has some special abilities. 
So you're now expanding your choices and the things that you can do because over the course of the game, you can get a pilot for each one of your different ships and they're all doing different things. And now you have ships going all over the place. By the way, the ships do replace your regular ships. So it's not like you're adding ships. You're just replacing the ones that you have. But then there's also this thing called the exploration tile, which is really cool, where you can send uh, one of your ships out to explore. And they have these new exploration cards, which will give you some additional resources. But there's also icons at the bottom of the card. And the goal is to get the most of one particular type of icon at the end of the game. If you score the most, you get two points for um, the, if you're having the most and like one point if you're tied for second. So as a whole new mechanic, the game now feels a lot different. And I think it's worth checking out, Tony. Hey, I'll check it out. But by gosh, where is my tiny epic westerns? That's what I want to know. Uh, has it not come out yet? Oh, well, it's not in my mailbox. Why? <laughs> you know, so you want my money, but yet Westerns hasn't been delivered here. You know, I'm, that's okay. I understand it takes time. And those dice were primo in Westerns. So, of course, I'm going to go check this out. I'm not stupid. Yeah, you should. So, it's Tiny Epic Galaxies Beyond the Black. Going along that Kickstarter vein, how did I get the responsibility on this podcast to have to review the Kickstarter emails? When did that happen? Uh, about a year and a half ago. Did you delegate that to me? Kind of. Uh, okay. Well, there's always some good ones, and then there's some bad ones. So I'm going to talk to you about a couple here, Marty. Now, the first one is from Ninja Star Games. They sent us over a copy of Wolf and Hound. This is a card-playing game, and you know I love my cards. They have sheep and wolves in it, all right? And it's wolf and hound. And basically, you're playing in partners. If you chase away all the sheep in the pen, then guess what? That player or that team loses. So you're trying to move the wolf around the thing by playing various numbers. Now, you can also put a sheep dog in front of your pen and the sheep will return. He's returned one of your lost sheep. So the first team that loses their sheep or the first player that loses their sheep, that team loses the game. This is a really cute, easy implementation game. So after you learn to play it, then you can add a lot more variance with the various wolves and um, hounds in it or sheep dogs. It's kind of a cute game. So guys, Ninja Star, check out Wolf and Hound. Another one that has my attention is Flag Dash. And this is from Peacekeeper Games. Marty, did you ever play Capture the Flag? Uh, you mean like in real life or like an FPS? Um, in real life. Yes. So this game mimics capturing the flag where if you can get the other team's flag across and the little meeples have holes where you stick the flag, it's really cute. But it has one of our favorite mechanisms and it is placing a disc down and determining the initiation order. And that determines who gets to move their meeples first. This is really a cute game. I can't wait to play you. That is Flag Dash. And last but not least, because my time is almost out, and I think it is out, Dracula Feast. We received this one, Marty. And this game is a social deduction game. I challenge the guy, send me a social deduction game. You're sending Rolling Dice and Taking Names a social de- You're sending it to Tony at Rolling Dice and Taking Social deduction. I can only see you and I ever playing if there is a lot of, oh, I don't know, money on the table. We don't drink. So if there's money on the table, we might play this. Because one of the things you have to do is you have to pick somebody to dance with. Dracula Feast. Guys, I'm going to be honest with you. This isn't my type of game, social deduction. Dancing, please. But you may want to check it out. It's coming out here um, in late September and go see what they've got. Lots of times on this show, Tony, I will make reference to both of us and I will say like me and Tony, Tony and I, you and me, 
that sort of thing. I'm like, okay, my grammar is all messed up here. So Tony, guess what? We're going to have a grammar lesson. Are you ready? Hold on. Let me get my Harbraze down. Your what? Do you not remember the little Harbraze red book that had the grammar and all in it? Oh, oh, yes, yes, yes. So I'm sure this is in there. So here's the thing. When do you use I versus me? Usually it's easy to decide. If you are the subject, it is I. If you are the object of the verb, it is me. For example, Tony and I like imperial settlers. Okay. In that case, it's supposed to be the I because you're before the subject or you are the subject of the sentence. All right. The follow-up to that, if you're following the, the verb, then it's the imperial settler's font is too small for Tony and me. Mm-hmm. See how that works? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and here's the test. And Vanessa told me this. This is kind of cool. What you do is you drop the other person and see if it still makes sense. So in the first example, Tony and I like imperial settlers. If I drop you, it'd be I like imperial settlers, which makes more sense than me like imperial settlers. <laughs> And vice versa, the Imperial Settlers is font is too small for Tony and me. It'd be Imperial Settlers font is too small for me, which makes more sense than Imperial Settlers font's too small for I. Ah. See, so there's a little trick there. So now, whenever we record the show, we should never mess that up again. Oh, it's also etiquette to always put yourself after the person. So you'd always put the other person before you and then you after the and. Got it? I got it. And for those of you following at home and haven't lost your interest so far in Harbrays, that's it was 28C. Paragraph three, if you would like to check the rules <laughs> on my version, uh, which is the eight, which was a long time ago, that's page 272 or page 344 for those who are interested. Grammar class dismissed. Our good buddy Scott Morris over at Passport Games gave us the ability to review courts. Now, we haven't gotten to it yet, but I don't want it to slip by another day without us talking about it, Marnie. Okay, tell me all about it, Tony, because I've heard some good things about this. First off, it's a good game. It's a push-your-luck game. It is a game that requires you to take chances by going into the mine and pulling out the quartz because you need to set collect them because the more types of sets you get, the more points or money you get because whichever dwarf at the end of the game gets the most money, he owns the mine. The rest of them are kicked off to the hills and they have to go battle smog. Or was it smog? Smaug. Smaug. They got to go back. People yell at me for that. So I know. But anyway, so that's all it is. Now, if you draw out the bad quartz, the obsidian, that after two, then you've had an industrial accident. OSHA comes and investigates and they give you a settlement based on the government's funding and you get to um, get the special token for that. So maybe they don't have OSHA in this game. Maybe not. What are you drawing the stuff out of? It's a bag. Uh, it's a simple bag. You put oh, okay. you put your hand in a you bag. You say that. I didn't know. What, I didn't know where it came from. It's in a bag. Okay. Back in the bag. So anyway, you've got that going for you. It's pure push, push your luck. You know what kind of quartz are in the bag. The number of quartz, so you can do all the statistics you want to. It's a fun, quick game. Hopefully, Marty will get to play it here at one of our local meetups, and you'll get to see how much um, you like it. How long does it take to play it? Oh, 30 minutes to an hour, depending on how much um, take that that you have going on. Ah, so there's some of that take that element. No, that's kind of cool. It sounds kind of neat reaching into a bag and, and mining like you like real bit, be in real life and just seeing how, what you could get. Yeah, because, you know, in a mine, after you dig deep into the earth, there's all these bags that you reach your hand into. <laughs> <laughs> Tony, I don't, my rants aren't as good as yours, but I have a rant. Please. Here's the deal. When I go to Gen Con and I want to demo a game, the last thing I want to do is stand at a demo table and watch somebody play a full flipping game at a demo. Why won't some of these people teach the rules and play one round or two and then move on to the next people that want to play the game? I don't get this because 
it was kind of very irritating when there's some games I wanted to check out. And I walked up and I stood there and I stood there. And then I realized they're going to play the whole stinking game. It's like, I don't have 20 to 30 minutes to stand around here. And I left. And that place didn't get my business because I didn't have a chance to check it out. Okay. Well, they have people who could potentially want to buy from them. So there you go. That's why they're getting the full. No, 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 because they could get more people through if the demo was shorter and they could short to more people, thus more potential buyers. Oh, I understand that logic. But once again, how do I know I want to buy it? Maybe I want to test drive it a little longer. Okay, I'm just saying they're kind of shooting themselves in the foot by not letting other people see. I will give credit to some of the people at FFG. Of I demoed some of their games, and like one of the popular games is that Star Wars Destiny Dice game. There were some tables that were doing like 10 minutes of a gameplay, and I found this one table. It's just you played two rounds and got on to the next person. I went over there, got my demo in, saw whether I liked it or not, and moved on. And I was, on, I was in and out there in five minutes. That's how you're supposed to run a demo. Okay, from a guy who ran a demo, sometimes you just don't feel it. But I do get your point. And I've heard this about that. You've got to really, you know, get people in and out, especially when it's the size of Gen Con. You can't run a full game. This isn't Essen. This isn't the Mayfair booth at Origins. People, this is Gen Con. Yeah, and one of the games I wanted to check out was uh, Buffy the Vampire Slayer. It's a new co-op game. And they wanted to play a full game. And like five, ten minutes into it, I said, I'm, I got to go. And that, but you're not done. It's like, no, I've, I've got to go. And, and one reason, because it, what, it wasn't that great of a game. All right, Marty, it's time for a player service announcement. Safety. It's key at the gaming table. <laughs> Safety? Safety. So recently, my wife has learned hand and foot. My aunt taught her hand and foot. And she taught it to her neighbors. Now, hand and foot is a card game that is simply, once again... Wait a minute, isn't that hoof and mouth? That's a disease. And no, oh, okay, my bad. Hand and foot, is, it's a simple set collection card game that she has fallen in love with. Uh, fine, whatever. That, that'll work. But anyway, so they sit there on the edge of the table with their elbows on the table holding their cards so they can see them. At the end of the game, they have their elbows are bleeding from rocking their elbows back and forth against the table. What? What are you doing? Playing on a, a table of sandpaper? No, it's a glass tabletop. It's a wood tabletop but that's been lacquered and sheened. And is it. that a glass tabletop Mine's or glass. wood? Because you just said, okay. Mine's glass, theirs is wood. So Okay, no, I understand. Okay, good. So anyway, they're getting, the, the next day they say, look, I got a, a scab from playing a board game on my elbows. I'm like, oh my <laughs> gosh. <laughs> really? Gosh. Okay, so here's the safety. When you have people over for board games, be cautious of the gaming surface. We've all gotten splinters at various cons and things like that, but on your own table. Only at one con, but go ahead. Oh, that's true. You may have to go buy noodles. It's the end of the swimsuit or the summer where you can buy those, cut them down, slit them, and you can put them on the edge of your tables <laughs> to help prevent elbow rub. Or, or you could uh, split the noodle down the middle and put it around your elbow. You could. And duct tape's an amazing thing, too. Either way. That's right. Protect your gaming partners so that they don't have scabs on their elbows from playing games. Or you could get a real gaming table that has an inset where you're resting your um, forearms on the table as opposed to your elbows. Moving on. Okay, let's talk food, Tony. Our guild loves to talk food. And last week on Twitter, for some reason, I was talking about Little Debbie Cakes. And I went, hmm, I wonder what the most popular Little Debbie Cake is. So... In guild fashion, I went and posted a poll on our guild asking the question, 
what is your favorite Little Debbie cake? Now, I know there's a lot of Little Debbie cakes, and I only picked five, and I got these five from doing some other searches of some national reviews of which was the most popular, and that's why I picked those five. So, Tony, here are the choices that people had. Nutty Bars, Oatmeal Cream Pies, Star Crunch, Swiss Cake Rolls, and Zebra Cakes. Mm. Now, first, I'm just curious. What is your favorite? Oh, Swiss Cake Rolls. Yep, that too was uh that was my vote too. And I thought honestly that was gonna be the winner. But there was a shocker. It was not Swiss cake rolls. So let's let's go down the list here. We'll start from the bottom and work our what? way up. What? What what? What do you mean it's not Swiss cake rolls? It is not Swiss cake rolls. Can you believe this? What the what is wrong with our guild? I know. I I don't know. But anyway, here we go. Star Crunch coming in last at 7.4%. I kind of figured that would probably be the lowest. Mm-hmm. I was never a big Star Crunch fan. You? Uh, that's Rice Krispie Treats with chocolate on them. <laughs> I had a bad experience with Rice Krispie Treats once, let me tell you. Fourth place is Nutty Bars at 23.4%. Now, I like Nutty Bars. The only problem was is those things could get melt. They would melt and it would stick to the paper when you unravel them. Yeah, don't. Yeah. Mm. Next was I did that wrong, Tony. Actually, in fourth place was Zebra Cakes. It was 12.8%. My bad. Zebra Cakes was in fourth place, which I really like Zebra Cakes. Then Nutty Bars at 23.4. Then here's our Swiss Cake Rolls at 25.5. And coming in first at 30.9% Oatmeal Cream Pies. Oh, they're so good. And the ones that we had at Origins, oh. To die for the homemade oatmeal cream pies. Those are so god. Ooh. I do like my oatmeal cream pies. Those are my two favorite followed by zebra. So there you go. Our Swiss cake rolls didn't come in first, but it was definitely there at the top. Do you unroll your Swiss cake rolls, eat the chocolate off the ends, and then unroll I it? I do. Do you you do that? Of course. Do you eat the chocolate layer off the outside, then unroll? Yes. Oh, high five. Yeah. That's how you eat a Swiss cake roll right there. The last squirrel out of the cage has to do with our recent agreement with NBC. The National Broadcasting Company. What? 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 What do you mean, what? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know where you're going with this. So you and I watch American Ninja, I, just so I can see and sit there and think, how the heck do they do that? Actually, I don't, but go you ahead. Don't, you don't? Oh, my gosh. It is so much fun, especially when they face plant. But anyway, everybody loves a good face plant. Anyway, so on their- on I sure their, don't like a good eggplant. Oh, eggplant, Parmesan or eggplant lasagna is to die for. Oh, it's so good. Anyway- What we've got here is in the finals, they have a new obstacle called the flying squirrel. I did see this and I immediately thought of us. That's right. Well, that's because they contacted us and they said, hey, RDTN, is it okay (laughs) if we use flying squirrels? And I said, boys, knock yourself out. I hope it's as successful for you as it has been for us. (laughs) Yeah, and what is the, the flying squirrel is where they have to jump off a mini trampoline and grab onto like a couple swinging bars or something like that? Yeah, that, that's it. I mean, they jump off. Well, actually, they run across the broken bridge and then they get over there and they hit the trampoline and jump on it and they swing, 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 and then hit a cargo net. The guys who do this and the gals that do this, hats off to you. There is no way. The spider wall, when you and I talked about this, if I hit that trampoline and tried to do the spider wall, I would face plan against the side of it first off. Yeah, for people who haven't seen the, the spider wall, it's basically you jump off a trampoline in between two parallel walls and you have to brace yourself right up against the walls as you go in there with your feet and hands and not slip down. Crazy. I'd hit that trampoline. First, I'd go off skewed. I'd face plant <laughs> against the side of the wall, and it'd be like Wiley Coyote hitting a cliff, and I would just squee down the side. <laughs> so anyway, so we're going to get any money off this? Uh, no. It's all over, Bullwinkle. 
Portal Games has just announced two new releases for Eschenspiel. First, a new faction for Nurishima Hex, Death Breath. This is to go along with two new factions also released at Gen Con, Dancer and Mephisto. Death Breath offers a new experience of being able to upgrade your units, plus they have a lot of netting units which I love. Also releasing at Eschenspiel is the new version of Robinson Crusoe. Portal Games has this game back in house and is going to re-release it with new upgraded components, new rules, new text on the card making it easier to learn and easier to play. We are so excited about this game. We hope for a sunny day at the beach card, but really don't expect it. Regardless, we're very excited. So you'll want to check out those two new releases, Death Breath for Nurishima Hex and Robinson Crusoe coming out of Essen. To find out more, go to portalgames.pl. Here we go. It's time for another game review. And Marty and I were lucky enough to sit down and play with his son, Travis, who you heard in episode 100 pronounce some German word. <laughs> that new cool game from Capstone Games I'm looking forward to. You should have rented him out to Blue Peg Pink Peg and they're butchering of it. <laughs> you should have sent him the WAV file. You should have said, Patrick, Rob, let me send you a WAV file here to help you boys out. That's funny. From Formal Ferret, Gilhova, the networks. We sat down and played this game. And let me tell you a little bit about this game because it was fun. It was, it was, I had a great time. First off, the network plays one to five. And Marty, did you say 60 minutes? 60 to 90 minutes is what's listed. Yeah. And that 90 minutes is a stretch in my opinion. So well, anyway, we didn't play with five, maybe with five people it does take more. I can see that. I can see that. But your, your goal is to get victory points or, okay, they're not, they don't call them victory points. They're called viewerships or viewers at the end of the game. They have the most viewers. Okay. Victory points, people. Let's just call, call, call it what it is. Stay with the theme. Come on. That's this game's all about theme. Okay. Stick my with bad. It. My bad. All right. So it's whoever gets the most viewers at the end of the fifth season. They're going to be dubbed the TV conglomerate. They're going to be the whoever you want to call out. I don't even know who runs TV sh- um, networks anymore. You, you'll be the TV network. You won't be the CW. You'll be the NBC or something. So anyway. Are they number one? I don't know who's number one. Probably. Well, it depends. If it's the old people network at CBS. That's right. Blue Bloods is coming back. Oh my gosh. How? Tom Selleck's still alive? Yes, he is. And, and he is selling... What is the commercial he's doing? Reverse mortgages now? No, he's doing some financial. I don't know, because you're probably watching like old people's channels again. That's exactly right. I am. Anyway, so the player that gets the most viewerships is going to be the winner. And the way you do that is you're trying to slot TV shows on your board in the 8, 9, or 10 o'clock time frame. And you're trying to slot them so that you get the most viewerships. That's really what you're doing. You're you're developing TV shows, you're purchasing actors' contracts, and you're getting ad sponsors out there. That's how you score victory points. At the end of the round, you total it up, life is good. It's really simple. you got to be savvy in this because you got to spend money. You've got to allocate your funds and you're going to kill me because I'm sitting here shaking a pen next to my mic and you're going to hear this all through the editing, but that's okay, Marty. Oh my gosh. I can't edit that out if you're sitting there talking at the same time. I know you can't. Anyway, sorry about that. The pen is down. So anyway, that's what you got to do. You got to be savvy with your funds from your ads so that you can get the better shows and you can get the better actors so that you can get more viewers and then you can be the the top network executive. Top network executive. That works for me too. So anyway, that is the network. What did I think about this? I don't know. What did you think about it? 
so people don't have to listen how to play it. They can just hear it straight off the top from me. I loved it. It's a fun, fast playing game. I'll admit the three of us, there wasn't a lot of AP. Whenever you have to draft cards, I'm like, oh my God, they're going to sit here and take forever. Yada, yada, yada. It wasn't. It, we were, we, the funds kept that limited. You could only do so much because you only had a limited amount of money. And that really forced it for you. That's what I enjoyed about it. But you know me, I like my quick games. I, I wasn't sitting there waiting on people to do things. I would definitely put this on my shelf and pull it out. Whenever, if someone said, hey, you want to play a quick hour game? I'd be pulling out the networks. What about you? I love heavily themed Euro style games. And that's what this is. The network just totally fits that description. The mechanics and gameplay do a fantastic job of making the players feel like they're a network executive. They're trying to determine what shows that they should uh, purchase and what time slots they should go with and what stars should go with that show and what ads should be put with the show. It's all these really cool decisions that thematically just works really well and you've got your player board where you're filling in your eight nine ten o'clock slots and then you've got your rerun areas where after a show gets so old it basically goes into reruns and and getting a little bit more money for it. and you got your little green room where you store off your stars and ads the theme just works really well with the mechanics and and i too just really enjoyed this game i mean and setup it, it was I mean, you were sitting there. It was so simple. You had the stuff already broken out. But I mean, setup is real simple. You've got a scoring tracker. You've got two scoring trackers. One is, you know, the base. And then there's another one. Marty, I really like this about it was the fact that you had one that depends on the number of players and you have to flip it over after round one. Everything is right there in the scoring tracker tracker that reminds you of what you need to do, how many cars to put out based on the number of people. So once you determine that, you set up the various decks, the network shows, which are seasons one, seasons two and three, and seasons four and five. You pull out the necessary cards based on the number of players. You get that set up, get the ads, get the um, network cards, which we'll talk about later. You get all those decks set up. You're good to go there. People pick their starting colors or networks and get their starting shows, their starting actors, starting ads. You get all that together. You go ahead and slot everything. Everybody gets set up. Everything, even though it's different starting boards, it's all equal. Everything is the same. You get your starting money. You're ready to go. That's it. Stuff's in the middle. People have their individual playing boards. Wow. I, I mean, that was a fast setup game. It's really kind of cool. The scoring tracker itself, there's different ones where different number of players indicate, okay, this at the beginning of the game, everybody's you're going to put out this number of cards to choose from. And then after that, like you said, you flip the board over and then it changes for the rest of the seasons. So they kind of seed you with enough stuff at the beginning to get going. And then it kind of drops after that. Also on your turn, it's a, a you get to do one action. That's it. So it's not a lot of actions you get to just to do one, and they're really straightforward. One, you can develop a show, sign an actor, land an ad, take a network card, attach a star or ad to an existing show, and then drop in budget. So the whole focus of this game is basically about uh, developing shows. And to do that, usually the shows has some order, some sort of requirement, like in the bottom. It may say, uh, with uh, using iconography, hey, this show requires a star or this show requires an ad. And you would take any existing ads or stars you have in your green room, attach it to that show, pay the cost of that show. And again, this is coming out of the center of the table and then put it into an existing time slot. And whatever show was there gets moved to the rerun section. 
And the requirements for the show will vary. Some require both an ad and a star. Some are optional. And that's one of the actions where you can uh, later on like add one to an existing show. So let's say there's a car that has an optional star. And on your turn, if you happen to have previously bought a star, which is another action where you buy a star uh, from off the table, put it into your green room, and then another action later on is take that star and attach it to a show. But the thing is, Tony, is that the stars and the the shows cost money. So how do you generate money? And that's through ads. And that's the other action where you can land ad. The ad cards have values in the corners will say, okay, when you land this, you're going to get money. When you attach it to a show, you get recurring income happening at the end of a season. And that's important because also some shows and stars might require that you pay them at the end of the season. So it's a nice little balancing act with uh, trying to have funds coming in and then having enough funds to pay for the shows that you're going to have to pay at the end of the season. Because if you don't have the money to pay for it, then that's going to uh, cost you viewership, which like you said at the very beginning is uh, victory points. And then at the end, when there's nothing else you can do, you can drop and budget. And the first person to drop in budget will be the first player next turn. But by doing so, the first one out also can get more money. Uh, right when you drop budget, you get some money or you could potentially get viewers. You can get one or the other. But the first person to come out is going to get a lot of money. So even though you drop out, others can take turns. Tony, sometimes I just really needed money. And so I go ahead and drop in budget so I can get a big boost in income to get ready for the next season. Yeah. And I mean, that's very important that you have to weigh when to get out. Because in our game, you and Travis dropped out and allowed me to grab the network cards, which I don't know if I, I didn't remember you mentioning it. Network cards are those special event cards, those cards that say, hey, they can stick around or take an immediate action or they last forever or they're at the end of the game scoring. So network cards are another thing that action that you can take. You can pick those up where they would say, oh, for every actor that you had in your board, whatever, you get viewer points. Or better yet, if all of your shows at the end of the season or at the end of the game have ads attached to them, you get additional viewer points. So all that is very important as far as balancing the thing. Now, one thing I liked about this from a standpoint, Marty, is as you said, you picking up those actors or ads. One thing neat about the actors, sometimes they had to have a specific show that it was a comedic actor. He had to go with a comedy show. If he didn't, it wasn't like you wasted your time. You can flip him and he doesn't help you. He doesn't perform as well in another show. A comedic actor doesn't do well in a sports themed show. Very, very thematic, but you didn't waste your money. You're, you're getting some benefit. That's kind of neat. I like that about this game from that standpoint. Yeah. Cause when, when you do that, basically what it is costing you some viewership. So say, uh, if you put him with a comedy, maybe he would get uh, five viewers, but when you flip him, he only gets maybe two cause he's associated with the wrong show. And like you said, that develop a show has to go immediately into a time slot. So you can't pick it up if you don't have the actor or the ad. And there's where the strategy comes in when you're playing is the, some of the actions. You can look across the board and say, hey, if he, try, he, he can't take any of those shows, he's going to have to get an actor. But I have that. All that's part of the strategy of this game. It's trying to see what your neighbors are going to need, and you can really mess them up by going out and grabbing something they could possibly add or they don't have the money to buy the next actor. A lot of thinking going on there. 
Yeah, it is for only one action. And I think that's the, that's the interesting part. Like you said, you got a lot of things you need to do each season. You need to get actors, land ads and, uh, develop shows. But the problem is, is everybody doing the exact same thing. So like you said, Tony, it's a timing thing. If you realize that, uh oh, you know, I see across the table, like Tony needs an actor and so do I, but. I also would like to get that network card. It's like, well, I'll sacrifice the network card to take this actor so that he can't, so that maybe the next time around, I can take that show that's out on the board and develop it. How often were we sitting there thinking, man, I don't have enough money to develop a new show and pick up an actor at the same time to be able to... So, so you've got a really tense balancing thing. And after you drop in budget, you have to age the shows. They have to lose viewerships or some, this is so cool, gained Viewership. In the second in the second season, they might go up in viewership a little bit. I think each of them had uh, like four seasons on them. But after that second season, uh, when you age the shows, you would start losing viewerships, which is a very cool mechanic. That means if you get a hot show, you can't stay with it five seasons. It will need to be replaced, or it's going to cost you in the end. Yeah, because you've got to get those thing out of there. You've got because it's a constant battle for viewerships. Hey, look at that thematic again. That's pretty cool. Yep. And then what happens with those shows is they go into reruns so that at the end of the season, you'll get a couple of viewerships just because they're in reruns. And then after that, they're sent to the archives. Yeah. And what I was liking about the moving, the aging, the shows, that's also part of the strategy thinking, how long can I ride this out? Because even if you age it all the way out, just because let's say you said it has only four seasons, the cube's going to sit there. It's not going to go away until you cancel the show, until you get it out of your board. You know, that's that's kind of a neat aspect of the game. Even if you don't replace it, you're still going to get something for it. It's going to stink, but you're going to get something for it. The thing is, though, if you're sitting on there with uh, with a show that's like in this four C and you're only getting one viewership, you really can't afford to do that. When there's shows sitting out there on the table that could get you maybe eight or nine, because uh, like you said at the beginning, there's season one shows, season two, three and season four or five. Those season four or five can develop a lot of viewers. Yeah, they, they really can. You've aged your show pull everything not taken, pull it up off the board, set it aside, reseed at the center of the board. Let's go with season two. Rinse and repeat, people. It doesn't get any easier than that. Nope. And then you're going to go through five seasons. You're going to score. And this is kind of an important thing. Uh, after you score season five, you actually age your shows and score one more time. So it's something you got to think about. So if in season five, you actually grabbed a show, you're actually going to get to score it twice, one at the end of the season. And then in the end of the game, you'll age and score again. One thing we didn't mention, genre bonus. If you're able, oh, yeah. to, if you're able to pick up, like you're going for various, say, three sports shows, and you pick those up, you've now got a genre bonus that, and it gives you actions that you can take. And then if you get five of the same, then you get to do a bonus genre bonus. And all these things are very important, like picking up an actor or um, developing you know, grabbing another show. So one of these bonuses, and it's all laid out right there on your player card so that you can sit there and take a look at what you may be able to do. That's the other thing you got to pay attention to. What genre bonuses are the other network executives trying to get? So what's amazing, Tony, is even though you and I could probably sit here and probably teach us a seasoned gamer five, six minutes how to play this game, there are a lot of decisions to be made throughout this game. But... Uh, uh. What? They're not. They're not hard. 
No, no, no. I'm not saying they aren't hard. I know that. I'm just saying when it gets to your turn, it's like there's a lot of things going through your mind. It's like I got to match the right stars with the right genre. If I get multiple genres, I can get bonus points. I got to make sure I have ad money in order to pay for this stuff in the season because we didn't mention that right uh, at the end of the season, you have to go through each show. And basically, if a show costs money, then there's going to be, you know, every show, every star costs money, and then you get money back in from the ad. You want to be in on the plus side of that so you can try to generate income at the end. At the worst, you want to break even. So all that's got to be managed because you don't want to drop in budget if you don't have enough things in place to pay for everything at the end. Otherwise, it'll cost you in viewerships. This is one thing. I don't know when I was went back and checked the rules. It said that if you can't pay for it, you don't pay partially partially in money. You pay it all in viewerships. That's that's kind of a kick oh, in the pants. Oh, that is a real big kick in the pants. So yes, money, Tony, when you said that money's somewhat limited, when you're only getting a couple mil per show and it costs maybe a couple to three mil to get the star, you've really got to budget, which is what I said. Sometimes it might be the best thing to drop out early and get the most money for dropping out first and doing the drop in budget. Right. I agree with you. So that's the thing. And by dropping out, it sets the turn order for the next season. Yeah. So then you would get first pick, which is good. So if you drop out first, get a bunch of money, then the next season you get to have your first pick of the shows and stars and ads. I think we did a fairly decent job of explaining it. And I think we've either really confused people or not, but that's typical RDTN style. (laughs) So, So that's very profound. We've confused people or we have not. You're welcome. (laughs) So anyway. Let's, let's talk about the pros. We've mentioned a bunch of them. We splattered them across um, as we were talking about how to play this game. Give me a pro. There's only one action per turn. These actions are very easy to understand, but that one action is very important. They're all good. They can all help you in some way. It's determining when to do it to best maximize your turn. One of my pros, speed of play. I don't think even with people I play with, I don't think they'll have the AP that could exist. There's just not enough time for that because of the limited amount of money out there. Your decisions are pretty easy to make. You may have to read the network cards, but you'll be making them. And I think the speed of play is there. I get pulled into the theme. Never do I feel like I'm pushing cubes or just moving cardboard around. I felt like I was actually going to pick this show, put a star with it, put an ad, just like it says on the cards. And Tony, some of the show names are the funniest things. Uh, it is such a humorous game in the names of the stars and the names of the show and the name of the ads. The art is really uh, whimsical and it's really funny to uh, pick up a name of, of a show and try to figure out what it came from. Exactly. I like how they implemented that in there. That was pretty good. Now, the iconography on the cards. So easy to read. That it's right on spot. You can. They're big. Hey, you don't need your reading glasses here, people. I'm sorry, but you don't. And it's right there. It's easy to see, except on the network shows in the top corner where they do the genre. But those have colors associated with them. That's a neat thing. But it was easy. A star is a star. Wow. Dollar sign is an ad. Wow. Amazing. See, and that's what I like about keywords. Not these huge keywords that you have to go reference a second instruction book. Straightforward, easy to teach. That is key. Now, I will say as as part of my um, con is somewhat of the iconography, meaning the cards are laid out a lot alike. And when we first were learning the game, I would keep picking up like I need a show, but I pick up the star card. It it took me a while just to, to process. Okay, all the star cards are a certain color and the numbers on those cards are costs. And the numbers on the ads 
are uh, what you're going to get back. And then they do, you just pick up on the color code. You know, one's maybe in red, one's in green. Red's going to pay and blue, I mean, green's going to pay. Uh, or you're going to get money back. Uh, the thing that's kind of confusing, and this was even my son said this, is all the genres are different color cards. And some of the cards are kind of the same color as the ads or the stars. Mm-hmm. So when you look at it on the board, you just have to really be distinct of like this row of shows, this row is ads and this row of stars. Again, after one game, it was fine. We ever, ever all got used to it, but we kept picking up the wrong cards in that first game. Going back to a pro for me, I like how the ads and the actors slide underneath the shows and you can have everything line up for you and you're able to easily total. You don't have to move a bunch of stuff around well designed in that aspect. But I, I do understand your point about that from the, from, from the, you know, the colors and along those lines. Now, a con I have is, and it could have been, and I'm stealing your words here, could have been the copy we got. Some of the chits have a little flaking issue. I love the money. I love the little hard plus. I wish, I wish Millennial Blades had this money. Millennium. Millennial. Um, okay, oh. Millennium. Millennium Blades had this money because all they are is just little cardboard chits, but they look like little stacks of money. And they began yep. to fray like little stacks of money, but that may have just been our copy. Yeah, I, I wonder that too. Uh, those frayed, um, some of the cardboard, the network main cards were starting to fray a little bit. It, it's almost like the, the punch boards weren't punched cleanly all the way through. And so when you push them out, uh, the cardboard started coming up. Again, that could have been our copy. I have not heard of anybody else having this issue, so... Don't expect every copy to be like that. It was just ours. So I can't really nick them for that because uh, this game is not really yet in distribution yet, Tony. I believe it's supposed to be mainly coming out at Essen. So we just may have had an early copy. It is a game that I would put on my shelves. It's a game I would buy. It's a game that I would easily get out for my Pong group to deal with. You and I are child of 70s and 80s TV shows. So this is right up our alley. Those cheesy shows, uh, you know, with the standard actors where it's like, oh, yeah, this actor is always in a comedic role. And this actor is always in a dramatic role. Uh, the theme is just right up our alley. To me, this kind of fits alongside uh, Stockpile. And like there's a good game with a good theme that has good mechanics, easy to teach, quick to play. That's what this game is for me. It is going to stay on my shelf and we'll be coming off. Right. Now. To play. To play. Good. <laughs> Dad, to finish that, yeah. See, you let me get by with my my new acronym, Pong, P-A-W-N-G. My, um, plays oh, what al- is that? Plays always with non-gamers. My neighbors and they playing hand and foot. And that. Anyway. Oh you, th- oh, you think this is a good game for non-gamers? I think this is a great game for non-gamers. Really? Yes, I do. Okay. I do. I really do. I think it's a it's a good a great game for non-gamers i think they'll bite into the theme who doesn't watch tv it's right there now i do think this is ripe for expansions and i'm going to go ahead and pitch my expansion to gil here it is i think you need to put in the fcc regulation card <laughs> what is that they're they're event cards the fcc comes in actor uses the word booger on air so, so they're just like random events that happen yeah, like uh, you, you pull out a random event at the beginning uh, or some network gets hit or something like that. Or you have to pay money because, um, like I said, you know, Johnny Fever says a bad word on the air or something like that. I was like, where's the booger coming from? It's Johnny Fever from WKRP. You are so out of tune with me tonight, but that's okay. I'll let you get away <laughs> with it. But yeah, I think that would be such a cool addition to it. The FCC regulations have hit you. Yeah, that's very thematic. I'll, I'll give you that. I know. So anyway, for uh, for the networks, Formal Ferret, designer Gil Hova, 
plays 60 to 90 minutes. Bam, we were done in 60 minutes with three people. Yeah, five could see it. But I can say once you learn the shows and the things, that's where, you know, you'll speed up the game. Easily done in 60 minutes. Teaching no time. You definitely, uh, it's a game that I would buy as well. On the shelf to stay. Good job, Gil. Do you think you can put a puzzle together? Well, if you do, why don't you go over to the Broken Token and look at one of their collector series boxes. There's a challenge for you to put together. Not only will it organize your game to the nines, but it will challenge you in getting it put together. So be sure to go check it out at thebrokentoken.com. We were thrilled to have the Dice Tower to ask us once again to be a part of the Cool Stuff, Inc. $50 gift card giveaway where we're going to pick a winner and that winner is going to be put into a pool for a larger gift card. And Tony, I think it's a thousand bucks. That's awesome. That is incredible that they're doing that again. Now, before we get to our contest, I don't know if you saw, hello, saw over at the Geek All-Stars who the winner was for them this year. Who? Tracy. Our first winner. Really? Yeah. Oh, she's really she's really good at this then. I told her, go buy a lottery ticket. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Stop with this, you know, crappy fifty dollars from, you know, cool stuff in. Go get you a lottery ticket. That's cool. Yeah, it is. So anyway. So Marty, what did our loyal listeners have to do in order to win our fifty dollars? What they had to do was submit using the hashtag RDTN GameFell, where they just tell us some of their GameFell experiences. And this could have been done on Facebook, on Twitter, email, or BGG. And Tony, we got a lot. Note to self, next <laughs> contest that we <laughs> that we run, let's not include a lot of words. Let's just keep it a simple survey. <laughs> oh my gosh, you people are, are incredible. Incredible. Uh, no, it, it was awesome. The response was incredible. We had such a good time reading all these stories. I, I will say before we get to some of our uh, uh, favorites, these were very hard to pick. But Tony, there was a lot of common themes. I noticed a lot of people's game fail was a social deduction game where the game was not set up correctly. So once again, people step away from the light. Get away from them things. Yeah. Oh, we forgot to see the, the Battlestar Galactica Cylons. We got, you know, resistance. Yeah, there's a lot it? of that. It was the, it was the too, too many betrayals in Dead of Winter. Uh, not the right number of Cylons in BSG. Uh, the, the werewolf mess ups where the person forgot they were a werewolf or playing resistance and they forgot what team they were on. There were a lot of those. And a lot of punishment was being handed out. I'm going to ground you if you lie to me and all this stuff. Oh my heavens. People just walk away from them. Just step away. I know it's great for large crowds, but anyway, great, great stories. Before we get to our top three, Tony and I just kind of pulled out some that, that we kind of uh, uh, liked. I'm going to uh, read them. So what I'm here was from Montblanc988, which was on Twitter. It said, my wife actually trusted me. <laughs> I'm sorry. This is just funny. My wife actually trusted me and played a negotiate card with her in Cosmic Encounter to win together. I played attack 40. Dude, that's not a game fail. That's a relationship fail. <laughs> you are hashtag doghouse. <laughs> Plain and simple. Oh, one of my favorites, another one of my favorites that came from Twitter. Hey, you know what? When trying to counterbend a friend's game board for a new game he just purchased to get it to lay flat, and raise your hand if you've done this. All right. I'm raising good. my hand. Yeah. Yeah. I snapped it in two. That is my biggest fear. Oh my gosh. Just boom, snap, done. 
It's over. Another Twitter one was at Ferg0013. Told my wife not to spend $20 on groceries because money was tight. Later that day, I bought a $60 game. Again, granted a game fell, but a potential relationship fell too. Another hashtag doghouse. Way to go, buddy. We appreciate it. Another one from Twitter. This one really strikes home. Lost a game of Blood Rage, 12 to 144, 114. <laughs> that just hits right at home. That's, you know, that, that, was, that did not make me laugh. It made me cry. Oh, here, here's one from uh, uh, Facebook. Uh, this was from uh, Ted S. Debating on sl- sleeve. I'm sorry. These just tickle me when I read them. Debating on sleeving a touch of evil and at the same moment spilling coffee all over the cards. I just imagine it's like, let's see, should I sleeve these? No- oh, I wish I should just sleeve those. Yeah. And first off, if you're getting ready to protect your cards, I mean, yeah, I think you should move the beverages, especially in the Connell household where he's known to spill drinks. So that's not, even a, it's not even a thought process. One of my favorites, this one, of course, um, overcame from our BGG Guild. And Jamie, I appreciate you sharing this one. It's from one of our favorite games, Pandemic, where he is sitting there. I'm going to paraphrase it. And they're, they've got this game one. They are ready to kick Pandemics. But they, they six turns, they're going to win this game. And they play the card that allows you to take the infection rate down to one for all the players. They're mocking the game. They're making fun of the game. <laughs> I hope we pull an epidemic. Well, he does, and the infection rate goes right back up. They've only got six cards in the draw pile, and they're, you know, so they're right there. They're going to have to draw the top three cards off the deck. Bam, 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 bam on that outbreak. You got to hate when that happens. So that should tell you. You don't mock pandemic. (laughs) You do. You're absolutely right. You do not mock pandemic. Uh, Here's one. Four years ago, this was off of, uh, yeah, actually an email was sent to us. It said, four years ago at my parents' place, I set aside some board games that I didn't want anymore for garage sale that I was unable to go to. My mom confused my keep pile with the get rid of pile. And I lost games like Shadow Over Camelot, A La Carte, The Original Scotland Yard, and Thunder Road. He was left with Operation Boulder Dash and Simpsons Clue. And tell your mom, thanks for that. that was an awesome yard sale. <laughs> so that's where you got your copy of Thunder Road from. <laughs> there it is. Oh, my heavens. And I got one last one from email. And Tony, I'm surprised you didn't pick this one because this is right, right up your alley. Playing six Nimit and realizing at the final scoring that the game is about having the least amount of points. If they make me cry... I don't want to, that's just beside the point. So, yes. Um, no, I've never done that, but I can relate to it, you know? Especially when everybody, when the first time people play, they're like, wait a minute, it's least points? Yeah, I only said it 10 times when I was dealing <laughs> the cards. Speaking of which, did you see the new version of a Nimit coming out called X Nimit coming out of Essen? No, ooh, no, no. Yes, go look that one up. Uh-huh. Joel Eddy had it on his Essen preview video, X Nimit. X Nimit, I'm on it. I'll go look it up, Joel. Thank you for sharing that. I do appreciate it. So, Marty. Yes. What were our top three? Our top three were, and our third spot was Josh from Facebook. And this is this is kind of a, it's, it's a little bit of a paragraph, but stick with me here. My son is seven, almost eight. 
I have done my best to raise him in the ways of a gamer, and to this point I have played some things with him appropriate with his age level and nothing with a lot of tactical strategy. But this summer he proudly told me he was ready to play one of daddy's big games. I relented and figured that one of my favorites, Arcadia Quest, would be easy enough for him to pick up, especially if I went easy on him. I proceeded to do so, keeping away from him and using the monsters haphazardly, but then he turns into a berserker and rushes me. What followed was a litany of exploding dice the likes of which I have never seen. The kid slaughters me, and any monster like we were made out of butter. I try to regroup, playing as hard and tactfully as I can, but his dice will not stop exploding. He handily wins the scenario. I tried to goad him into another game, but his response is, No, Daddy. I don't want to beat you up so badly again. Let's play something else. RDTN Game Fail. That's touching. It's funny. <laughs> Just because, Tony, you and I are parents, we can totally see this happening. Oh, easily. And it, it reminds me of the time when we were at BGGCon, and I'm trying to teach eminent domain, and Seth Jaffe walks up. And it's just like, oh, it's time to walk away from the table. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, yeah, I think, we'll, I think we'll let him teach it. Yeah. So anyway, another one is, and that's what I'm referencing here, Guy offers to teach Concordia. Takes one hour to set up and teach. Another guy walks by and says, it's wrong. <laughs> Hashtag RTDM fail. I don't know. That just tickled me because I oh, can yeah. just see a group of people sitting around a board game, spending an hour setting it up and learning how to play. And just some passerby comes and looks. Yeah, that's wrong. And just keeps on walking. That just tickled me for some reason. And the dejection in everyone's face as they're sitting there. You just wasted an entire hour. At this and oh yeah, you just, it, it, yeah, it made me laugh. I was like, that's that's pretty funny. Well, Tony, that means with the two, that means we're down to our winner. Tony, what was our winner for hashtag RDTN Game Fail for the fifty dollar gift certificate to CSI? Our winner comes to us from the Rolling Dice and Taking Names Facebook page. If you haven't already liked us there, yes, shameful shameful plug here. Please go out and like us on Facebook. Brian Winter submitted. Our favorite hashtag RTDN game fail. And he stated that played a one shot DD this year for a friend's bachelor party. Okay, that's a wild bachelor party there, Marty. That's something like you and I would do. <laughs> that's right. But guys, it doesn't it does not RDDN game fail at that point. There's no hashtag yeah, here. It keeps no, going. No, 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 that's the it keeps going. The fiance is like, yeah, you have fun with that. I ain't gotta worry about you. <laughs> yeah, really. So everybody was waiting for us to go hashtag RTDN game fail at that point. But no, it continues. This was only the second time I have ever played. The group started in some northern location where the place was covered in snow and we all had to roll to see how our characters handled the harsh, harsh weather. I rolled and rolled a one with my character. Played the first hour of the game unconscious being carried by another player. Oh. I'm just sitting there at the table. I can just see that. That's so funny. I'm just sitting at the table. What are you doing? Nothing. I'm sitting here. <laughs> just, just nothing. 
thing. I just said, get ready to start this epic session of D&D. And you started out, it's like, yeah, I'm sort of knocked out and somebody's carrying me around. And how we just, how we pick these is Tony, uh, each of us picked our top five or six and we submit them to each other and whichever ones overlapped, uh, would be our top picks. And those three overlapped. And from those, we picked our top one. And both Tony and I just said, that's the one we just both just kind of laughed out loud when we read it because we can just see that happening in an RPG. So congratulations. Way to go, Brian. You will be submitting your name over to the Dice Tower and you will be contacted to get all your pertinent information so that you can win your $50 Cool Stuff Inc. gift code. And by all means, please come back and share with us what you're spending on. We'd like to know. Thanks for everybody who entered. Uh, it's It's been great fun uh, reading all these. And uh, we'll do something again like that hopefully next year. Well, Marty, let's not prolong the agony. The agony? The agony, yeah. The agony for our listeners. They were coming back here saying, wow, what's 101 going to look like compared to 100? Let's just end this thing <laughs> on a good note. <laughs> Shouldn't we have done that about 55 minutes ago? No, because we really needed to talk to him about the networks. Guys, that is a really good game. And so definitely, if you get a chance to play it, go try it out. I think you would enjoy it. I also highly recommend, like I mentioned in the Squirrels, America. Good, good, good trivia game from Bezier Games. Uh, Marty, you got to play Potion Explosion. Was it as good as what we remember from CMON Expo? Uh, yes, it was. I need to get it to you so you can check it out. A very fun tactical game. I think that that game is one of those that kind of has its place. Uh, we played four player. It could be a little bit of a downtime, but we'll talk about that later on. Still a really good experience, though. Thank you so much for submitting all the funny stories at um, Facebook, um, onto the Twitter followers. And then, of course, we were over there on the Guild. You Guild guys are incredible. Thank you so much for everything that you do over there. If you're not a member of the Guild, be sure to check it out so you can get into some very heavy discussions about <laughs> Little Debbie's snack food. You know what the funniest thing is, Tony? What? <laughs> the thread for Little Debbie Cakes is longer than the one for episode 100. It just goes off on its own tangent. All of a sudden, there's there's talk of Hostess Cakes and all these other sweet treats everybody's talking about. Well, yeah, I mean, we've gone through ice cream. I, I try to squirrel this on point. I was trying to send out, you know, I was trying to get us to go to Oreos. I enjoy doing that kind of stuff. I have fun with that. So, you know, but nobody would take the bite on Oreo. Have you tried the Oreo Swedish fish yet? I have no interest. It tastes just like a soft Swedish fish. Oh, is it good? You got to like Swedish fish. I, I do like Swedish fish. I just don't like, don't know if I like the idea of chocolate with it. Well, if without it, yeah, it's, it was different. The chocolate helped it. I'll give it that. But Rebecca decided, I said, do you want me to buy you any more of these? And she said, no. I said, okay. Because I bought them for her. Uh, I would also like to uh, give a shout out to some uh, new iTunes reviews. We have some wonderful reviews submitted by our friends up at Boards Alive Podcast. I've been on their show before playing their um, RPG. Really great guys. If you're not listening to them, go check out their show. And also the Welcoming Elitist. And it's either Sam BB or Sam Bye Bye. Thank you so much for leaving those wonderful reviews on iTunes. Uh, it really means a lot. Yeah. Someday I need to get over to iTunes. I'm glad you pay attention. I'm, you know, I'm a. IBM kind of guy. An IBM kind of guy. Yeah, I know. They don't. Uh, anyway. Is that even, are they even around? Microsoft anymore? guy. Okay. I, you know, okay, there you go. I don't even, you'd have to teach me all this fun stuff. Which, come, hey, what hey. year was MS-DOS introduced? 
MS DOS. Mm-hmm. That's one. That was one of the America trivia. Uh, eighty. I don't remember the answer. Buy America. Oh my gosh! Why would you ask me something if you don't remember? Go buy America, and you will find out. Oh, oh, where was the first iTunes or um, Apple store located? What state? Well, I would think California, but that's probably wrong. Virginia. Really? I know. That's what I said. Really? Wow. See, I wouldn't have guessed that. I know. So once again, people go do, go build me an app. Well, now you've already. I don't need to play now because I've already answered all the questions. No, there's 300. I don't think you got there. <laughs> okay. <laughs> all right. All right. Well, do me a favor and keep rolling dice and taking names. Thanks for listening to RDTN. If you'd like to follow us on Twitter, you can do so at Dyson Names, or you can join our BGG Guild, like our Facebook page, search for Rolling Dice and Taking Names, or you can send your comments and suggestions to RollDiceTakeNames at gmail.com. Plus, we love iTunes reviews. Do you think this show was at all educational tonight, Marty? Yes, it will drive people to read books. Fun Again Games has a ton of games, but that's not all. They've got... (laughs) (laughs) They have a ton of games. They do. That's good. They do. Yeah, they do. But did you know, Marty, that they also have puzzles? (laughs) No, I did not. Is this the same puzzles that would be used like in the broken token insert, putting those together? Don't mock me, but that's okay. (laughs) But they do. They've got puzzles. But one of the things that they've just got out on pre-order and that my wife is dying for me to add to my add or my um order is the funko luke keekley model oh yeah they're starting to make sports models i think there's a a cam newton one too yeah so not only can you get games at fun again games you can get puzzles and the funko models is that how you say it funko yes and other collectible toys and other collectible toys so that's going to round out my hundred dollars for free shipping when i place my next order that you and I still need to discuss whether or not I need to add Scythe to the collection. That's funagain.com.